chapter 49, making judgment of people, keeping in view their evident actions and leaving their hidden actions to Allah. Allah the Exalted says in the Quran, But if they repent and perform the prayer and give the charity, then leave their way free. Verily Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. 390 Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma reported, Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I have been commanded by Allah to fight the people until they testify that there is no true God except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's Messenger and perform a salah and pay zakat. If they do so, they will have protection of their blood and property from me except when justified by Islam and their account is left to Allah, collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary This hadith brings out the following three points. Number one, the objective of jihad. This objective warrants that one must struggle against kufr and shirk and the worship of falsehood in all its forms. Jihad has to continue until this objective is achieved. This contention is supported by a hadith to the effect that jihad will continue till the day of resurrection. In this hadith, the word anas, translated above as people, stands for the polytheists and idolaters. The reason being that other nasus confirm the exemption of Ahl al-Kitab from it, subject to the condition that they agree to pay jizya and submit to the Muslim rule. The Arab pagans have only the choice to either embrace Islam or face war. In the latter case, it is incumbent on the Muslims to wage jihad against them to wipe out kufr and shirk and raise the banner of tawheed everywhere. This hadith strongly refutes the people who distort the Islamic concept of jihad and hold that Islam preaches defensive war only. It is an apologetic approach because defensive war has to be fought in any case by every nation and country. Thus, it is a compulsion and needs no justification. The real distinction of Islam lies in its enjoining Muslims to wage war for upholding the truth besides fighting for their own defense. The domination of kufr, shirk, and falsehood is darkness, heresy, and tyranny. And the objective of Islam is to purge the world of these evils. It aims at liberating man from the worship of man, set them on the path of worship of Allah, and to provide a just and equitable society to mankind. Wherever in the world there is tyranny, ignorance, and heresy, Muslims are bound to fight such evils and finish them by means of jihad. There is also a third form of jihad, which is waged against countries where Muslims are victims of aggression, suppression, 
and cruelties of the non-Muslims. It is incumbent upon Muslims to liberate their brethren in faith from the clutches of the non-Muslims by means of jihad. So long as Muslims perform this obligation with a sense of duty, Islam and its followers were dominant in the world and ever since they have ignored this obligation, both are in subjugation and disgrace. In other words, the secret of power and stability of Muslims lies in jihad. Muslims need to understand this secret like their ancestors. Number two, the life and property of every Muslim is secured after his joining the fold of Islam. He will, however, be subject to the law of Islam, one of which is payment of zakat. If he murders any Muslim, he will also be killed in return, unless the heirs of the victim pardon the murderer or accept blood money for it. Number three, when a person embraces Islam, the laws of Sharia apply to him according to his apparent condition only. His heart will not be probed for this purpose. In case he is not sincere or he has some design in joining the fold of Islam, no action will be taken against him until guilt is fully proved. What he has in his heart will be left to Allah, who will pass judgment on his intention on the day of resurrection. This hadith is related to this chapter for its third point. In their debate on this point, some ulama have contended that such people who believed in Tawheed and obey the injunctions of Sharia are not to be declared as infidels. 391 Abu Abdullah ibn Tariq ibn Ushiyam radiyallahu anhu reported the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, He who professes la ilaha illallah and denies of everything which the people worship besides Allah, his property and blood become inviolable, and it is for Allah to call him to account. Collected by Muslim. 392 Al-Miqdad ibn al-Aswad who reported, I said, Tell me, O Messenger of Allah, if I meet an infidel and we fight one another and he cuts off my hands with his sword, then hides from me behind a tree and then says he has submitted himself to Allah, shall I kill him after he has said it? He وسلم, replied, Do not kill him. I submitted, but O oh Allah's Messenger, he cut off one of my hands and only then he said it. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam then replied, Do not kill him, for if you do so, he will be in the position in which you were before you killed him, and you will be in the position in which he was before he made his testimony. Collected by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Commentary this hadith tells us that injunctions of Islam will be enforced on a person according to his apparent condition, not what is inside. The reason being that nobody is capable of knowing what is inside others. When a person professes Islam, we have to accept him as a Muslim, and it will be our duty to protect his life and property. 
If, in spite of knowing that his life and property are sacred, a Muslim murders him, then it will be quite fair for the heirs of the victim to have kisas for the murder. If the murderer claims ignorance or takes shelter for some reason, then he will be liable for diya only. The Prophet ﷺ arranged payment of diya to the heirs of the victims in the case mentioned in this hadith because some of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ had advanced the argument that the murderer had slain the victim on the presumption that he had professed Islam just to save his life. 393 Usama ibn Zayd anhu reported, Allah's Messenger وسلم, sent us to Huraqa, a tribe of Juhayna. We attacked that tribe early in the morning and defeated them. Then a man from the Ansar and I caught hold of a man. When we overcame him, he said, La ilaha illallah. There is no true God except Allah. At that moment, the Ansari spared him, but I attacked him with my spear and killed him. By the time we went back to Al Medina, news had already reached Allah's Messenger. He said to me, O oh, Usama, did you kill him after he professed La ilaha illallah? I said, O oh Allah's Messenger, he professed it only to save his life. Allah's Messenger وسلم, repeated, Did you kill him after he had professed La ilaha illallah? He went on repeating this to me until I wished I had not embraced Islam before that day so that I would not have committed this sin. Collected by Al Bukhari and Muslim. Another narration is, Allah's Messenger said, Did you kill him in spite of his professing La ilaha illallah? I said, O oh Allah's Messenger, he said it out of fear of our arms. He said, Why did you not cut his heart open to find out whether he had done so sincerely or not? He continued repeating it, until I wished that I had embraced Islam only that day. Commentary The relevance of this hadith with the present chapter is evident from the fact that it stresses that injunctions of Islam will be enforced on every Muslim according to his apparent condition. It is a very wise course indeed for the reason that it has closed the door of retaliation. Otherwise, Everyone could kill his enemy on the pretext that the victim was not sincere in his profession of Islam. In order to rule out the possibility of any such mischief, probing into the true condition of the heart is ruled out. A Muslim has to be treated according to his apparent condition only. 394 Jundub ibn Abdullah anhu reported, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam dispatched a contingent of the Muslims to a tribe of the polytheists. The two sides met in combat at one place. A man among the polytheists was so dashing that whenever he intended to kill a man from the Muslims, he killed him. Amongst the Muslims too, 
was a man looking forward to an opportunity that his polytheist enemy would be distracted. He, meaning the narrator, said, We talked that he was Usama ibn Zayd. When he raised his sword, he, meaning the soldier of the polytheists, uttered, La ilaha illallah, meaning there is no true God except Allah. But Usama ibn Zayd killed him. When the news of the victory reached Allah's Messenger وسلم, he asked him about the events of the battle, and he informed him about the man, meaning Usama, and what he had done. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, sent for him and asked him why he had killed him. He, meaning Usama, said, O Messenger of Allah, he struck the Muslims and killed such and such of them. And he named some of them. He continued, I attacked him, and when he saw the sword, he said, La ilaha illallah. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Did you kill him? He, meaning Usama, replied in the affirmative. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam then remarked, What would you do with regard to the utterance, La ilaha illallah? when it comes before you on the day of resurrection. He, meaning Usama, said, O Messenger of Allah, beg forgiveness for me. He, meaning the Prophet wasallam, said, What would you do with regard to the utterance, La ilaha illallah, when it comes before you on the day of resurrection? He, meaning the Messenger of Allah wasallam, added nothing to it, but kept repeating, what would you do with regard to the utterance La ilaha illallah when it comes before you on the day of resurrection? Collected by Muslim. Commentary This hadith mentions the incident which has been quoted in the preceding one. There is only a slight variation in the wording of the two. This hadith is reported by Muslim under the chapter The Prohibition of Killing a Kafir meaning disbeliever, after having testified that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah. 395 Abdullah ibn Utba ibn Mas'ud reported, I heard Omar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu reported saying, In the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, some people were called to account through revelation. Now, Revelation has discontinued, and we shall judge you by your apparent acts. Whoever displays to us good, we shall grant him peace and security, and treat him as a near one. We have nothing to do with his insight. Allah will call him to account for that. But whosoever shows evil to us, we shall not grant him security, nor shall we believe him, even if he professed that his intention is good. Collected by Al-Bukhari. Commentary. This hadith also proves that the injunctions go with the apparent acts of a person and not with his will and intention. It also indicates that a good intention does not waive the qisas and establishing the justice. <laughs>